points should you be aware of if you're planning to work abroad? Also, if you're working with colleagues or students from other countries, what best practice should you adopt to help you with their cultural and personal integration? We'll discuss this and more in today's episode. Welcome to Half Hour Mentor. My name is Ian Cleverdon and welcome to the sixth episode of the series. Thanks so much for the excellent feedback I've received about the episode so far. What's been most rewarding is learning that different listeners have been getting different things from each of the episodes. I'm delighted to announce that there will be a second series as well. So if you know someone who you'd like to hear from in a podcast interview, please do let me know by contacting me via the website halfhourmentor.com or through social media by searching for Half Hour Mentor. I already have some excellent guests lined up for Series 2, but there is room for more. Today, my guest is Kelly Noon. Kelly runs Ono Training, a training and consultancy business that's based in Manchester that specialises in supporting public and private organisations with learning about the power of international intelligence. This is done by focusing on understanding cultural and linguistic differences. You'll hear from today's episode that her wealth of knowledge not only supports businesses and universities in this respect, but also those thinking of working and studying in another country. You can find this series on all major streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. It'd be really helpful if you could rate and review the podcast as it does help me understand how they're being received. And do spread the word to your friends and colleagues if you're enjoying them. You can also provide feedback and learn about future episodes on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by searching for Half Hour Mentor. So let's hear from Kelly. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. It's yeah. lovely to be here. So let's go back to your teenage years then and uh, you know, when you first started work. What did you want to do? What was your first job? So when I was a teenager, it changed a little bit. When I was at primary school, I always wanted to be a teacher. And I used to organise the other students in the class, actually. And on my kind of record papers, the teachers would always mark, Kelly organises the other students. So I think organising and controlling things <laughs> has always been part of what I did. But when I was a teenager, really, I went through a phase of being really interested in the legal sector and wanting to work as a lawyer or a barrister or something within that field. Um, and I was really, really focused on that until I went and did a week's uh, work experience with luckily a friend of mine her dad was a judge and he took me in and and I went into that work experience and it kind of changed my my outcome really but it was definitely something to do te with teaching organizing helping it's always oh. been the kind of the connection I suppose well, you said the legal side of things what was it that attracted you to that in the first place in all honesty and I've got no idea no <laughs> idea I was just really fascinated by um, yeah, all things legal. And, and I kind of, for a long time, had in the back of my mind this idea that when I'd been to university and done a degree in an area that I wanted to study, I'd always go back and do a conversion course. And actually, as I went through, obviously, university and then started to think about my, my career and how that would actually play out, hmm. I thought, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, so, so it all changed. But yeah, yeah. And I actually ended up teaching, which is what I wanted to do when I was very little. Right. So it kind of came full circle. So what was the, the thing about teaching that, that, that grabbed you? Why did you want to do that? There's definitely a part of it, which is looking after people and, and helping people and, and sharing things with people as well. Because I really do like that personal, personable side of things and, and being in a room with people. And of course, that now, you know, I, I know that that plays out in different areas of, of work. But being a teacher was always just a, the thing that I saw, I suppose, as well, because I loved being at school and I loved my teachers. And I suppose you just start to get an affinity for the people around you and the things that you see and, and enjoy doing, I suppose. Okay. 
So let's get to university, because you mentioned about that before. When you were at university, what did you yeah. study and, you know, what, what was your, what did you want to do at the time <laughs> that you got to university? Okay, so I actually ended up going to university and studying languages. So I, I'd always had an interest in languages and I studied a French degree, but I did that in Spain. So my university experience was, was quite different to a lot of my friends and the people that I'd been at school with. And because while I was studying French and learning to do that, I was doing that already in a second language in Spanish. Most of the time I was at university, I was really just building up relationships with people, learning how to understand people, learning how to understand those differences as well, because of course I was living in a different country. And actually at the time I fell into a job, which I did part-time while I was studying teaching English. Um, Didn't have any qualifications, I was just taken on because I was a native speaker. And so again, just kind of came back to this teaching idea without really ever planning it. I was just offered a job one day. Um, So that really started then to impact what I did because I took on more teaching time um, as I continued to study languages. And actually the people on the course with me at university all went on to to work in education as well. And most of them are teachers now. So it it kind of came back to this idea of teaching again without me really realizing or or choosing to do that and then when I left university I kind of carried on in in that same area really it developed of course but I I kind of continued in teaching for for the first part of my career it's interesting you said that you studied French but in Spain so you know the natural thought is actually I'm (laughs) going to do France French I'm going to go to France and do it why did you do learn French in Spain so practicalities really I wanted to do both languages I really really enjoyed them and at the time when I studied A levels we only had three subjects so I was studying French Spanish and then classical history so they were the two main areas of of focus and interest so I looked at different opportunities and one of the programs actually that was running at University of Manchester was a dual uh, language program where you studied both Spanish and French but as part of that program you had to commit to spending all of your holiday time in those countries. So I started to look at different options and I looked at the option of going to France to study Spanish and to go to Spain to study French so that I'd still have that opportunity to to combine the two. And it was easier for me to navigate the kind of paperwork and everything else to get into the university in Spain. And that's just what happened. (laughs) I went to Spain and stayed and, and loved it and it was a fantastic experience, but not but actually, and um it's given me so much of what is part of my, my job today and part of why I've ended up working in education because I went through that experience of being an international student for five years. So I really understand a lot of the challenges that, that international students do face. Um, and, I, and of course, because I've been through it, I like to then help other people kind of navigate the same area, I suppose. Yeah. So you ended up working in Spain after you'd done your degree. How did that come about? Okay, so again, as everything in my life, not organised or planned at all. So when I started the the degree programme that I was on, I ended up doing little bits of work in the um, administration office of a language school because one of the friends that I had there was working and they were looking for someone and I was in the right place at the right time. When I was there, another language school contacted them and said, we're looking for teachers. Do you know anybody who's got some free time that could come and do some hours? And I was kind of sent off to, to go and work at this other school absolutely loved it I was there for a few years actually and I still have a really really good relationship with the people that I worked with they looked at me really well and as I came out of my university program and kind of finalized the course an opportunity came up in a different city to do similar work really but it was a much bigger role because it was a study center that worked in collaboration with a university in in that city 
And they were looking for somebody to come in and take on the position of really building up the language department that they had. It sounds very fancy, but it's, it's quite small. We're talking about six or seven classes. Um, and I was just the, in the right place at the right time. It was just somebody that I kind of bumped into and was having a conversation. They said, we need someone like you. And, and that was it. And it worked really, really well. And it was a really lovely opportunity because, again, it wasn't planned, but it was in an area that I was interested in. The people were fantastic. And I was given a lot of flexibility to create that role really in a way that I wanted to create it and we set up some some wonderful programs and because again I was working with those university students and I was fresh out of university I really understood what they were going through I understood the challenges that they were faced and we were preparing them for exam qualifications that I'd already been working on in in the role I had while I was at university myself so it all kind of pieced together wonderfully I was just really lucky right place at the right time. Fantastic. So then th- that happened and that's really set you up to do the business that you're doing at the moment now. How has that transpired then from working in Spain and doing that role to what you're doing now and working with international students, with businesses? How, how, what was the transition? So again, it, it flew really nat- naturally, actually. It was lovely. So when I had been in Spain doing that role post-university for a few years and I decided that I wanted to have some time back in, in the UK. I'd obviously been abroad, abroad for nearly 10 years. So it was a long time away from home. And I thought, you know, let's, let's go back and spend some time in Manchester and, and do some work there. And so when we moved back to Manchester, I ended up setting up a, a language school for international business professionals in the city and slowly started working obviously with different universities and organizations and what really became the main focus of the work was we started supporting people with their language skills and getting them to kind of feel a bit more confident as they went into business meetings or working in different situations and of course people who are at universities while supporting them with their language skills and lots of problems started coming out that were very similar so we'd hear people say Well, I went in and did this business presentation. It went wonderfully, but my boss gave me this feedback that this had gone wrong or I'd said this in the wrong way. And and it started to become very apparent that actually the problems were cultural. So I started going into these businesses and helping them with that and helping them integrate those staff and talking to the British staff members as well about, well, how do we work together and integrate these, these teams and people? And that just grew. And I started doing a lot more of that with businesses, with students at university. And at the same time, I went back actually to the University of Manchester and did a master's program in intercultural awareness and, and teacher education, because I thought there's definitely room here to really support people. And, and I just really enjoyed it. Um, so again, it kind of naturally evolved and I was just in the right place at the right time, <laughs> which is, which is you know, a lovely, lovely thing to do. it's yeah it's interesting you say being in the right place at the right time but there's a lot of work and preparation that goes into that and you know don't don't knock yourself in that because (laughs) obviously it's been impressed that you've impressed the people around you to be able to get into those roles I'm sure yeah definitely there is a big part of that and I think because I do something that I really really enjoy and I'm interested in you almost create those opportunities to be in the right place at the right time don't you because you start doing something that's needed because you can see there's a need you can see you actually can help and people value that and then you do start to to create those relationships and connections that allow you to take next steps and continue with your career as well and it's having the confidence to do that I think that um, a lot of people now potentially haven't had the experience to to learn and to build up that confidence because they maybe haven't worked through their university program like I did because it's just not necessarily done at the moment because of what's happened in the last few years and I do think that's something that is lacking and it's going to be a problem for people because we need those opportunities and the time to build up confidence to just be able to say oh I want to do this let's have a conversation And, and it's hard to do if you've not had practice. 
Definitely. I, I would totally agree with that. And, and seeing from, you know, my own experience of working with students and particularly international students, mm. that's the case. I'd like in a moment to move on to have a, you know, get your advice about what you give to international students and to businesses as well mm. um, in terms of what you've learned. But firstly, just focusing on yourself. Obviously, in that time, you must have had some challenges that you think, how, how on earth do I get around this? So what challenges have you had that you think have really helped you along the way and develop to get you where you are now? Loads. <laughs> Loads of <laughs> Give challenges. Give us a couple. Um, but actually as well, Ian, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if this is just the way that we look at things. There's, you know, there's a million challenges that happen to everyone and there's one in particular I think is quite interesting that I'll mention now, but a lot of it's got to do with how you approach these things because are the challenges or are the opportunities? Um, so, but one challenge that is, was definitely a challenge was, and this happened to me twice actually, I run into things, you know, without thinking and, and dive in and do stuff. And and on two occasions, I very nearly took on office space that was way too big for where I was at that stage in my career because I had all these plans and this excitement and wanted to develop different parts of the business. Um, and I think one of the challenges um, that, that I kind of thinking about that particular situation where I wanted to take that space that was just too big, one of the challenges is learning or knowing at what stage are you? Is this now the moment to actually dive in wholeheartedly and do everything? Or is it the time for you to take things slowly and think, well, okay, let's just do this a little bit more paused and maybe think about what that plan might be. And is this with you setting your own business up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I was in Spain, I very nearly took on some office premises because I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. And actually... I really didn't need that. And what I did need at that time was the opportunity, which I had to work within that other business and learn a lot from being in a team with people. Um, And that's not to say that we shouldn't jump in and and embrace our ideas and try and work through them and find solutions to that. But I think it's very difficult to know what the right time for certain things is. And that is a challenge, I think, for anybody at any stage in their career. Mm. That's that's really good advice. What else? You mentioned there were several things that went on. Um, other challenges. Uh, another challenge is just balancing your, your personal life and your work. You know, things happen. And, and part of the decision that led me to come back to Manchester at the moment in time when I did was a personal decision as well because of other things that were happening in, in my life. And and it's very difficult sometimes to know what you what you should take as the most important, not the most important weight, that's the wrong word, but the most important um, factor in that decision making. Do you want to allow what's happening in your personal life to lead those decisions or do you want to focus on your career and, and allow those to lead the decisions that you make and of course there's no wrong answer is that there's also no right answer it's just a case of thinking well where am I at that stage in my career and what do I want in my career longer term um, and, and just being able I suppose to understand yourself and know yourself well enough to, to recognize what's important at each stage. So tell us about now then. So with your business of Ono Training, what just briefly, what is it that you do and who are you working with? So most of the work I do now can be split into two main groups, really. Um, the first group is helping people understand intercultural differences. And then we look at how we apply those to different situations. So do we apply that to maybe the type of marketing that you might be doing, the sales process that you're going to go through when you're trying to acquire uh, new connections internationally or new, new business? And then the second part of the work I do is helping people with their communication skills. 
So a lot of it is looking at, particularly English speakers, how do we communicate in a, in a way that's more clear for people who don't have English as a first language, who have other first languages. And then as well, thinking a lot more around those different factors that impact communication. So for example, things that we've spoken about in the past, speed know the style that people use if you're very direct or indirect and of course there's a million other things that go into that so it's really those two areas the intercultural awareness and then the communication skills so I do this with all different kinds of businesses so I do it with lots of different sectors so that includes recently people working in chemicals and healthcare people who work in the sports sector as well and lots of education so the education sector almost is a secondary part of that but it really is where I suppose where the work that I do that I most enjoy lies because of course there is that connection in education for me for the past and, and my experiences working in in universities as well and of course being like I said before an international student and that's the part that I really enjoy but as a business of course you've got to balance what you love with where the, the business is no so it's, it's just those two sections really yeah something you mentioned before was about the, the two things that you focus on is the, the cultural aspects and the, the communication aspects mm-hmm. and I guess a lot of the, the listeners to this podcast at the moment they could be uh, undergraduates they could be sixth form students they could even yeah. be early career professionals who are thinking do you know I'd like to work abroad yeah what what's the focus do you think they should be looking at learning the language first absorbing himself in the culture or should they be learning about the culture what, what's your experience in those that you've worked with what would you recommend okay so I suppose it, it depends a little bit if we're looking at maybe home students or people who are growing up here in the UK who are thinking about moving abroad or those international students who've who've arrived into the UK because those international students who arrived into the UK have already navigated for the most part all of that communication and language um, arena and, and the things that, that come with that So for them, a lot of the work that needs to be done is thinking about, well, how does that business culture work here in the UK? What will be expected of me as I start to look at going, for example, to interviews? Um, But it's a very different thing to think about what we, and I say we, meaning people from the UK, might need to do as we think about going abroad. Because we're in a kind of strange situation in that English is so highly valued internationally. Quite often, we can sidestep the language problems because a lot of the big businesses or corporations that we might want to start working with will have teams who work in English. So actually for us, the bigger part of what we might need to do is look at, well, what is the local business culture? What things might we need to understand about working in those environments? And that could be things as simple as thinking, well, what's the time frame that that people work in within the day? You know, my experience in Spain, for example, just because it's so close, you've got those big breaks at lunchtime. And of course, that happens in in lots of areas around the world as well. But it's thinking, well, what are those big differences that might impact the way that I'm working, the way that I need to make um, relationships or connections with the people in my team as well? Um, And there's all those different factors that build into that. So it's a different perspective, I suppose, for the two different people or different groups Mm. and then looking at the culture what differences do you see um, for say international students coming over here Mm -hmm. so you know is there a difference in terms of attitude from different countries of uh, different nationalities coming to work and study over here definitely of course and and we can look at this from so many different perspectives but one of the um, things that I think we see quite clearly at universities is how people will respond to hierarchy 
So quite often students or people that come from areas where there's very strict hierarchy and examples of this could be, for example, lots of students that come over from China. Quite often it can be difficult for people who come from those regions to speak up in a classroom because it's not common to speak in front of somebody who's more senior to you. And that will play out in the business world. So what happens when you go to interview? How comfortable are people who come from regions with strict hierarchy in actually answering questions to somebody who's more senior? And when they answer those questions, how honest do they feel they can be? And again, it's it's navigating that different um, perspective and thinking, well, how do we make these people feel comfortable and understand that here, actually, it's quite common in a business meeting or at work for people to disagree potentially with, with the team leader or the, their manager. And it's really helping people embrace those differences and say, no, here, this is how we do it. And this is what will be expected of you without putting them in a position where they're going to feel uncomfortable because it's not necessarily something that they've practiced or done in the past. So if we have a look at, um, say, uh, UK students or somebody in the UK who wants to work abroad, what are the most critical skills that you think that they need to be able to go and work abroad? So I'd say there's two key areas that I think people need to be really careful with when they go abroad. The first one is taking the time to understand how you will need to build relationships. And of course, I'm talking about professional business relationships here, because what we need to do when we go into different areas is understand what those relationships look like in the workplace and not assume that they'll work in a similar way to to how they work here or in the United States, for example, which is what we've seen most commonly in a lot of the examples that we see. Because as you go into a different working environment, you've really got to think, well, what is that structure within that company and how does the local culture impact that? And, And practical points of this will be things like, How much do you speak of in a meeting? Who do you go to to ask for information? How do you want to ask or how can you ask certain questions to different members of that team? And it's really thinking about what that relationship will look like. And then as well, a second point that I think is really important for everyone to consider when they go abroad is thinking about the way that they communicate. And I mean this in terms of how direct they are. Because when we look at different cultures around the world and and how direct or indirect we ask questions and we give feedback, The UK is quite central, really, because we're very direct, but we also like to soften the message. So we kind of say things like, well, maybe just, or or we soften things to make them sound a little bit nicer. But actually, we still do sound quite direct. So we have to be careful as we go into the business world to think, okay, am I transmitting my message clearly? And I'm not changing that by putting in all these little words like maybe just, you know, if only. Um, But also that we're not coming across as too overly confident, Because when we are very direct, which is wonderful for clarity, it can come across as a little bit cocky isn't the word, but we've just got to be careful how people might read that, that frankness. So I think that's really important for people as they go abroad. Um, And that will be the same with any country that they're they're moving to. And and equally, Ian, it's the same for any business that you go into, any big organisation, here or abroad. But it's, I think they're two really important areas, just thinking about how you'll build those relationships. And of course, learning to read the room before you jump in. And then, of course, that that clarity and communication. How would you recommend that they do that? What steps mm-hmm. can they take to do? Because that sounds really good advice. But how? So yeah. I might be thinking as a listener now, great. But how do I do that? Where do I go? Yeah, definitely. So easy things that we can do, of course, or if we know anybody from that particular country, maybe have a chat to them, ask their advice, what things happen locally, but also spending a little bit of time there before you maybe go to interview and just see a little bit how people function, watch people and really read what it is they're doing. 
Think about things like, okay, does it look like there's any kind of structure in the order to who's speaking here? What kind of relationships do they have in terms of how close do they stand? How formal or informal are they? And also reading a little bit into the room and looking at what's happening around the types of questions that people are asking, because there are big areas of the world where building up a personal connection and understanding who that person is, is extremely important before you can actually work with them. So learning to recognise Okay, are people asking questions around how was your day? How was your holiday? How's your family? Things that we might think are kind of additional questions or fluff almost. They can be really important in certain cultures to build up a relationship before people will effectively work with you. So it's just really taking time to look at what's going on and paying a little bit more attention to that than you might do normally. What about the other way around then? So if you've got, uh, say, an international student or someone from a different country who wants to come to the UK, because that's, again, another common situation, what advice would you give them to be able to settle into the UK uh, a lot more smoothly? Oof, to settle into the UK is, is enormous. There's so many things to happen. I suppose if we start to think a little bit about settling into the UK and in in a business setting, potentially, or looking for, for a first role, just to kind of narrow that down, Some of the things I think that we have that are fantastic in the UK that lots of other countries don't have are are these graduate programs. So actually when people come over to the UK and they get themselves onto a program like this or have a first job in an organisation, I think it's really important for people to recognise that you're not always expected to know the answers to everything. You know, a lot of people that I went to university with in, in Spain, for example, they went into their first jobs and you're expected to know exactly what you're doing from day one. And the benefit of being able to do that in the UK and, and have your first jobs or starting your career is that it's a lot more accepted to ask questions and to say publicly, do you know, I've not done this before, I don't understand this, or could you just help me? And there's a lot of fear, I think, around... Asking questions, A, because potentially there's a language barrier and you're not necessarily comfortable with how to ask those questions or if that person's going to understand your question correctly. But also I think, and this happens with me as well, it happens with lots of people that I see moving around internationally in different directions. There's also a feeling quite often that we have to prove something. You have to kind of show yourself to know more than maybe your native counterpart. And that isn't true. And I think allowing people time to understand You don't have to prove anything. You don't need to show that you're better or you know more. Um, And giving them space to just understand that that's acceptable is really important. So I think it's it's allowing people the opportunity to say, yeah, go and get yourself a job and don't worry because you're not going to be expected to know everything. Just allowing them space to to rest and Mm. go, okay, because it's actually something we forget is it's so exhausting working in a second language, mentally exhausting and draining. And of course, when you're settling into a new country, and this is this goes both ways, you know, settling into a new country, there's all the additional stuff that you've got. Where do you buy food? Where do you register at the doctor? How do you travel around? What does transport cost? How does the train system work? You know, all these additional things, and there's just so much on people's plate. But I think allowing them a moment to understand, yeah, you're allowed to ask questions, is is so so important and yeah. so helpful. Great. Turning back to you, just sort of final final couple of questions, really. What's your recipe for success? What drives you to be successful? Um, I think my recipe for success is just continue to do things that you enjoy. Because if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're never going to get out of bed and go and do it, are you? Um, 
this was actually something that was um, part of the decision that I made around not continuing to, to look into the legal sector as a profession, because you've got to do something that you love. And if you do something that you love and you find ways of implementing that or working with people that you really um, get on well with or you really understand and have similar value patterns, of course you're going to be successful because you're going to do it well. And people value immediately you doing things well but also from a place where you really, really want to deliver well. And that's only going to come from doing work that you genuinely are interested in and enjoy. So let's just look at it from a business point of view then. What, what advice would you give businesses when they're dealing with perhaps a, you know, an international student or an employee coming across wanting to work? I think there's two areas that I see that businesses sometimes fail on quite often. And that's not to say that we don't all do this, because I think everyone does. The first one is connecting somebody's ability to how well they're answering a question in English. So just to kind of make that a little bit clearer, if you're going into an interview and you're doing it in a second language, of course, A, you're nervous because everyone's nervous in interviews, but B, you might be trying to explain something that you've not explained before and and then your language comes across as quite broken. And interviewers and businesses very often, and I say this because we've all done this, but they jump to conclusions and say, oh, well, they, they can't communicate in the way or as quickly as I'd want them to. And they connect that to their ability to do the role. And quite often by dismissing somebody because of that language um, expression or the way that they're, they're talking to you, you're missing out on huge, huge talent. And I think just being able to remember that when you're going into an interview with somebody who doesn't have English as first language and say, okay, let's give them the benefit of the doubt because they're probably going to be excellent at the job. Um, then the second thing is that I see quite often businesses then once they do employ people from different countries, quite often don't think about how they're going to integrate that staff member or those different staff members if it's plural as well. And I think spending some time working on as a team, everybody learning to understand each other and working on intercultural awareness skills can be so beneficial for everybody. And of course, it's beneficial for the business taking on those team members to help them integrate and everything else. But equally, when they're dealing with clients, you might be dealing with clients here in the UK who are from different areas. So it just it's beneficial for everybody in, in all aspects of that business really as well. And it gets forgotten quite a lot. So final question for you then, Kelly, knowing what you know now, and obviously that wealth of experience that you've brought out, what one piece of advice, or perhaps two, if you, if you got that, but you know, what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know now? So I think there's two pieces of advice really that I would love everyone to, to hear. And these were two pieces of advice that were given to me. The first one was when I was doing my work experience, shadowing the judge, and I was still considering potentially working in the legal sector, he told me at the time, he said, Kelly, put off making any decisions. Study something that you are genuinely interested in. And then when you've done that, make a decision about your career later. Because I think very often we think we want to do something and we almost force ourselves to continue a path when actually you're not getting out of it what you thought. And it's really important, I think, to have the opportunity to allow yourself to go, oh, actually, yeah, maybe this isn't right. So I think that for me was really, really helpful because otherwise I would have ended up doing something I didn't want to. And the second piece of advice, which was fantastic, and this came from a business mentor recently, he just said, ask for the business. And I think very often we don't just ask for what we want. And it was so simple, but so, so useful. He said, you just ask, just ask. <laughs> and I think if I'd known that earlier, I would have just asked for a lot of opportunities that maybe 
I would have really been able to embrace and enjoy. So I'd love other people to be able to just have the confidence to say, actually, could I? And, and ask that question that, that you wouldn't do otherwise. Yeah, because ask for the business is often seen like a selling skills tip, isn't it? And just closing the sale, if those that you know, know about selling skills that will go into. But actually, that's the same about career opportunities and professional development is just ask to see. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've made an impression, the chances are the answer will be yes. You just sometimes have to force it. Yeah, and people love to help. Yes. If you ask people and say, I'd love your, your, even if it's just your experience, your advice, people love to help. So just ask. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Just ask whatever the question is. Kelly, that's been a fantastic insight into your work uh, and to, you know, your experiences that you've had as well. So thanks ever so much for that. No, thank you very much. It's been lovely to chat to you. Thank you. What I thought was so good about Kelly's advice is that it applies not just to organisations, but also to potential students and employees on how to approach the cultural aspects of dealing with international relationships and communication. If this particularly relates to you, I'd highly recommend going back to approximately halfway through this podcast and listening again, perhaps taking some notes as well to help you. There was also a phrase that Kelly used during the interview that really resonated with me. Out of challenges come opportunities. She talked about being in the right place at the right time for her career development, but I think she's been a bit too modest, to be honest. You meet your own opportunities by networking and dealing with the challenges you face. And as we've learnt from previous guests, arranging to have a mentoring relationship as early as possible in your studies and career. My thanks go to Kelly for her time and advice. You can find a link to her business, Ono Training, in the show notes, as well as to the series sponsor, Manchester Metropolitan University Business School. My thanks go to the Business School for keeping this podcast series ad-free. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the series wherever you get your pods. You can leave feedback about the episode and various social media channels by searching for Half Hour Mentor. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, bye for now. Thank you.